Amen. Glad you all are with us today, and how beautiful are those little babies, and how great it is to have those babies as a part of this congregation. You know, I hear people say sometimes, boy, I worry for the future world. I worry about the future for our children. I worry about the future of the church for our children. Well, let me tell you, if we raise our children in the Lord, if we raise our children to know Jesus and to be leaders, we don't have anything to worry about. We have some wonderful little babies that God has created, those who can lead us, and we are excited about the future. Well, this, today, we have been talking for a few weeks that this would be the day that we announce our new theme. And you can see what that theme is. It's one. And we have been working on this idea of theme back since probably October, maybe September. We started talking about it as a staff, about what would be a good theme for this year. And obviously, 2021, and this is one. And we want to be one in Christ. You know, as we think about this idea of one in the sermon that I'm going to preach today, some of you might say, is there some kind of issue going on in Memorial? No. This is a great congregation. We might have every once in a while some little thing, but not anything big at all. I always like this little town. I've told you this before. I remember this sign I saw in this little town of Rush Springs, Oklahoma one time that said something like, population 2,208 friendly people and seven sore heads. Well, you know, it might be like that sometimes, right? This is a great place, and we don't have any sore heads. At least I'm not going to admit it from the pulpit. We don't have any. But we want to stay unified. We want to be one. If there is anything our world needs right now, it is to see a group of people who are unified. That is what we were called to be all along from the beginning. That is not just David's call or the elders' call. That is the call that is the call of Jesus, and we're going to talk about that today. If you want to be unified in Christ, say amen. All right, that sounds good. If you didn't, you go, uh-oh, what, did they just call, what were they talking about if you weren't paying attention? We want to be unified in Christ. Now, some of you probably, I, I mean, I would if I were sitting where you were sitting, might say, oh, I know why he did that sermon. He did that sermon because, because of what happened on Wednesday in Washington. Actually, I didn't even think about what happened on Wednesday in Washington when I wrote this sermon. Do you know why I didn't think about it? I finished it Monday night about 1045. It was already written. But could it not, at the same time, make some sense? And this theme we had was way before what happened in Washington. This is about us being one in Jesus Christ. This is more than just keeping up with the headlines this is who we were called to be all the way back 2,000 years ago by Jesus and really before that. But that's when Jesus made it plain to us. It was 2,000 years ago as he lived on this earth. And in churches of Christ, we have a long history. And one of, and obviously we want to we go all the way back and do what the Bible says. But early on, say 200 years ago or so, we had lots of little quotes and little sayings that everybody who was a member of churches of christ they could quote them all they they knew them just little things we'd say we speak where the bible speaks for example was one of those there was another one that was very popular and meaningful it said in matters of faith unity in matters of opinion liberty and in all things charity now charity is the word for love so in matters of faith unity in matters of opinion liberty or freedom and in all things love or charity 
That's pretty powerful. That's a powerful little mantra to live by. It's obviously not the Bible, but it's based on the Bible. And there were several things, but people wanted to be united. What was happening in those days, people were leaving their religious groups and saying, we just want to follow the Bible. We just want everybody to be one. We want to know Jesus and want everybody to be one and everyone to get along, but in Christ and follow what Jesus has said, follow his words, follow the inspired words of the apostles of what God wants. Now, there was another preacher in those days that was really popular, and his, his name was Barton Stone. And he was coming out of his religious background and going back to just try to find what the Bible had to say. And he was with four other preachers, but he wrote a little thing in 1804 where he said these words. It's not on your screen, but he said, We will that preachers and people cultivate a spirit of mutual forbearance, that we pray more and we dispute less. Well, that's why we want to be people who pray more and dispute less. But it kind of seems like we live in a world that forgets to pray and really likes to dispute. But I can tell you as one, I'm vowing to you today to be one that prays more and disputes less because I want to honor Jesus and I want to be the person that Jesus called me to be. In John 17, just not long before Jesus died, before everything kind of blew up when he was out in the Garden of Gethsemane and they came and took him away and arrested him, beat him, tried him, and killed him. Just before that, Jesus is in prayer in John 17, and he says to his father, I do not ask for these only, for the apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so this is a powerful, important prayer. Obviously, anything Jesus says is important, but I want you to think about these words. Jesus said, not just for the people right now, but also for those who will believe in me. Jesus was praying for us. Now, and you say, well, how do you get that? For those who will believe the word that these men, these apostles will preach, the inspired word of God from the Holy Spirit comes through those apostles, through men like, like Paul and through, through the other teachers and James and Luke and those others, John, that have our inspired Bible through them, from the Holy Spirit, but through those men. He is praying for us. He wanted us to be unified with him and each other. That is a 2,000-year-old prayer by the Son of God, that we would be unified with God and with each other. Now this morning, if you've been feeling like you're not worth much because somebody in your house tells you you're not worth much, or you've decided because of a boss, or you have decided because of society, or you've decided because of what you made, the scores you made in school, or whatever, that you're not worth very much, I want you to know that we have value. You have value, because Jesus was praying for you 2,000 years ago. You're important. Whoever you are, whatever your skin color, whatever your economic status, whatever your background, whatever it is, you're valuable. You are just as important as the, per, as the other people on the pew with you or those who are sitting at home watching with you. You are important, and I want you to understand that. After the first service, Jerry Gerlich said something to me that I thought was so important that I should have said in the sermon. The prayer that Jesus prays today, even though it's to the Father, is not one that the Father can answer. It's a prayer that we have to answer. 
we will decide if we answer the prayer of Jesus. And you're saying, well, what do you mean? Well, follow with me here just a little bit. In John 17, we're going to go back over that verse and then add to them so you see it in context. In verses 20 through 23, Jesus said, I do not ask for these only, for these apostles, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that, you, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me. That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Wow, this is powerful stuff. Whenever I don't know if your teacher taught you this. I hope, I hope he or she did. When you are reading a sentence and you see those words so that, that's the important stuff. Then you know why, why it's all happened. So that, you see where it is, I've italicized it in this passage. We're going to look at this today. So that they can be, that they will see that you have sent me. You know, the father and the son are so close, it's difficult to distinguish them. I mean, they are so close together. There's a father, there's a son, but yet it is hard to, to figure that out exactly. My dad was, used to tell the story that he was baptized and then 10 days later he, was, he preached his first sermon and kind of, I guess they just let him preach. Maybe nobody else wanted to, I don't know. But he did his first sermon, I remember he used to always say this, on the union between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said that was the last time I ever preached on that union between Father and Son and Holy Spirit because I realized I never understood it again. Because it is a tough topic to figure all that out and try to get it all together. Because, well, after all, it's about God. It's the mind of God. It's above anything any of us can ever exactly understand. And John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word. And we'll find out that Word is Jesus. It tells us later in John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Wow, that's one of those that kind of makes me scratch my head because that's not usually the way I do sentences, right? The Word was with God and the Word was God. And then you find out later and the Word was Jesus. So Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. And He's the Son and there's, a fa and there's the Father and all that goes together. I remember before I moved here when I lived in Oklahoma, there was an elder who an older elder that, that was from Arkansas, from the hills of Arkansas, and he had all these little sayings. And He used to talk about these two different organizations one time in an elders meeting, and I remember when he talked about them, he said those two organizations are, are so close together that you couldn't get a butter knife between them. Well, that's kind of the way it is with the Father and the Son. And so the Father and the Son are one. And Jesus prays, Father, I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one so that they will know that you and I are one. And Father, that is my prayer. That's what he says his prayer is. Well, there is a purpose, obviously, as we're talking about to this unity. So that the world will believe that the Father sent the Son. And then he goes on. It's not on your screen. And that they will know that they are loved. The purpose is so that people will believe in the Father and the Son and realize that the Son is from, G from God 
and realize they're together, they'll realize they're loved. Folks, this is really coming down to evangelism. And sometimes whenever we talk about evangelism or outreach, whatever word you want to use, we start talking about, okay, well, now what is the best method we can use? In the old days, we had, the, we had the film strips, and we could do the film strips, or maybe it's this Bible study that we could use, and we've got a 10-week one. No, I have a 3-week one. No, I have a 7-week one. We've got all these different ones. What is it that's going to be that is going to win the world to, to the Lord? And you might say, next year, let's have 100 baptisms. No, let's have 250 baptisms. Let's go all around the world. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what will win people to, God, to Christ. I'll tell you what wins people to God. This is the evangelism right here. Love each other and be unified. Now, all those other things are important too. Don't misunderstand me. But love each other and love God and be unified. And then the church is on fire. That's what it is. And that's what so many of us miss. That's it. I heard a story about an old rabbi. Now, this could have been told about a preacher, but it was told about a rabbi. And this young rabbi went to this new synagogue. And the new synagogue, he had all kinds of mess because whenever it was time for the prayers, one half of the congregation stood up and one half of the congregation sat down. And the ones who stood up said, it is a tradition that is as old as can be that we, in this synagogue that we must stand when we pray. And the other group said, no, it is a tradition that we must sit when we pray. And I mean, they fought back and forth. Do you stand when you pray or do you sit when you pray? And one group wouldn't talk to the other over. And so finally the young rabbi went and found the founding rabbi of that, of that, of that synagogue. And he was in a rest home and he was 99 years old. And he sat down with the rabbi and he told him, you know, they talked about things, and he poured out his heart to the rabbi, and he said, Rabbi, I've got this situation. And he, sa- he said, I need to understand because it's just crazy with the church, one part standing, one part sitting. So I need to know, is the tradition that everyone stands when we pray? He said, no. Oh, okay, so our tradition is, is that everyone sits when we pray. The rabbi said, no. He said, Rabbi, it is chaos. Everyone is yelling at, at each other about these things. All the time they yell back and forth. And the old rabbi said, that is the tradition. <laughs> wow, that's not just a synagogue. Sometimes that's with churches, right? Sometimes that's even in families, right? But that is not what we were called to be. We were called to be people who are unified People who are one in Christ, people who love each other and love Christ. Because, you know, division drives people away. It's awful. Nobody wants to be around a bunch of people that are complaining and griping. Nobody wants to do that. It's not on your, on your screen today, but I think about Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Whenever the Apostle Paul said, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Well, I like to find pick your problems. I like, I like to pick at you and see what you do wrong and what you think is wrong and what you do that is wrong. And then I started thinking about how Christ has accepted me and boy do I know my sins and you could probably add some to mine because if you just observe me. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. You mean he accepted me whenever I was a mess? Yep. Now he wants me to get better obviously but yes accepted me as a mess. Division 
drives people away. And our unity is to draw people to Jesus. One time there was an issue going on in a congregation in another place. It was, a, it was what we would call a doctrinal issue. Part of the church was thinking this way and part of the church was thinking that way. And boy, things were going back and forth. Some of you have been in places like that. And a man came here and he said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a new church home. He said, can you tell me, is this, a, is this a place where people are at peace? I said, well, yeah, I said, it is. I said, this is a great place. And, and I mean, there may be a little hiccup here with somebody or that or whatever. But it's, it's a great place. We all know that. But if you are involved here, you know that. He said, well, I'll tell you what's going on in my church. He says, it's this doctrinal issue. Some people think this, some people think that. He said, tell you the truth, I don't know which is right. And he said, tell you even more, I don't even care. It's kind of a surprising thing to say, but he said, I don't even care. I'm just looking for a place where people are peaceful. Is that not the truth? Don't you just want to be in a place where people can get along? Aren't you just tired of anything you say? Somebody wants to tell you why you're wrong or why you ought to do it another way? Aren't you tired of that? Division drives people away. And in this world we live in these days where there is so much division that, that by, the, by the time that you take your shoes off, somebody else is mad at somebody else. There could be nothing that could win people to Jesus more than a united memorial church of Christ. What are you people like? You mean some of you disagree politically, but you still love each other and get along? Yeah. You mean some of you are of different economic categories or different races or from different countries, and all of you get along in your family? Yep. That's exactly right. That's what wins people to Jesus. Whenever they see we can put all that away apart, we can throw that away and say we are one in Jesus Christ. But if you want to hurt other people, and if you want to hurt Jesus, then divide. Because that's what hurts Jesus. That's what Jesus takes nails for. And so our unity draws people to Jesus. I have two little quotes today. They were so good, I, couldn't, I had to use both of them. I hate to give you a long quote, but I have to because they're so strong. We will be known by our love and our unity. I love it that Craig has been leading us in that song in different parts in our service today, that we shall be known by our love. Then Grant led that song that, or, or read that scripture today from John 13, where Jesus said, we shall be known by our love. I like what this commentator said. He says, above all, this means that the church will have a quality of life that so stands out from what is available in the world that the world takes notice. And the world yearns for it. The key is that the church is not a creation of God that offers frivolous or useful, useless gifts to the world. This may be the case when the church has lost its identity and has become a byproduct of the culture in which it lives. But the true church of Christ offers the world a priceless gift. Something it seeks desperately. When Christians are one with Christ... And one with each other, the growth of the church is virtually inevitable. He wrote that about 20 years ago. When maybe our problems in our country seemed a little bit milder. 
If you want to win people to Jesus, this is it. I know I'm in a room of people who love Jesus. And I also, and I praise God for this, in a room of people who love each other. I just want us to keep loving each other. And I want us to keep united and keep loving Jesus. That's what the world yearns for. Could there just be a place of solace? You know, as old song says, a place of quiet rest. Oh, that's what we all need. Isn't it a place that reaches out, but a place of rest and a place that is one in Christ? True unity changes the world. It's another great quote. It says, this unity isn't just a formal arrangement. It isn't just an outward thing. It is based on and must mirror nothing less than the unity between the Father and the Son. That's what we're reading today, John chapter 17. That can only mean that we are to be united. And in case we might miss the point, the result will be that the world will see and know that this kind of human community, united across all traditional barriers of race, custom, gender, or class, can only come from the action of the Creator God, so that the world may believe. You see, this is who we were called to, or what we were called to. We were called to be people of unity. No, we don't want to be people full of sin. We don't want to sin on purpose. We don't want to encourage sin. But at that same time, we've got to be able to accept sinners, or I can't come. We have got to say, we want to get better together. We love each other, and we give each other a break. Because because we got to. That's just the way it is, right? Because none of us are, are perfect. This community is so incredible. Want to win the world? Start talking about this community right here. Let me tell you about a great community. That's one thing you can talk to people about. Instead of talking about all the division in the world, we can start talking about the unity in the world that exists right here. That's what people want to hear and what they need. But you know, people seem to want to divide. It just seems like it's always been that way, but we're kind of in a culture like that. Have you ever known folks like that, that it seemed like what they were looking for was a reason to be mad instead of a reason to unite. I can remember, and I've, I've shared this someplace, I don't know if in class or here or wherever, most of you forget what I'm saying anyway, so I'll just tell you again. But I remember a guy, he was about 35 years old, and we were friends, I was about 35 years old at the time, and I remember he said to me one Sunday morning as he came in, he kind of pulled me off to the side, and he said, David, the last few months have been different for me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've been coming and worshiping. I said, you've been worshiping your whole life. He said, no. He said, I grew up in a family where we went to church to figure out what was wrong that day. What was wrong? Did, did somebody say something wrong in a, in a prayer? Was one of the verses of the, ser- of the, of the song wrong? Did the pre- preacher say something wrong? He said, we really just went to see what was wrong. Although we called it worship, it was really there to, cr- to critique. People sometimes want to divide. He said, in the last few weeks, he said, I'm coming to worship. I'm coming to honor God. I said, wow, that's great. That's great. Now, obviously, sometimes we're going to do things wrong. Sometimes I need to hear what I do wrong. Maybe Craig needs to do, hey, you could have done this or that. We can, that's, I'm not saying that. But when we do it with an evil spirit or a mean spirit or a negative spirit, one that we like to see someone fall. Let me put it this way, if you understand what I'm talking about. I'm guessing that there are some folks in here who are not New England Patriot fans. And when you see the New England Patriots lose, I bet some of you get really excited. 
yeah. That's the feeling I'm talking about when you see your brother or sister do something wrong and you're kind of happy. Yeah. That's the one that's wrong. Now, it's okay to be that way about the Patriots, but not that okay. Not okay about your brothers or sisters, okay? Okay, I told you I make mistakes sometimes, right? People seem to want to divide, but God wants to keep us. I don't blame what I'm about to tell you on my parents, because I don't think they taught me this. I don't blame it on the preachers I had growing up, because I don't think they said it. I don't blame it on the elders or the Bible class teachers. I just blame it on myself for misunderstanding what I'm about to tell you. I grew up with this kind of idea. I didn't even know it was there. It took me years to articulate. I grew up with this idea that God was just waiting to kick me out. He was just waiting. David, I caught you. I caught you. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. You know, remember, I was scared to death. God is waiting to get me. And just as soon as I do something wrong, you are out of here, buddy. It's like a trap door. And then I came to understand something. God is not trying to get rid of me. God is trying to keep me in. And over and over, he says, not just that your sins were washed. He says that, he is, that Jesus is washing your sins away. It wasn't this one-time deal, but when I was baptized into Christ and received the blood of Jesus, 1 John chapter 1, I am being washed continually in Christ. He wants me. And when I start realizing I'm wanted, I'm a lot easier to get along with. Because first of all, I'm not so self-consumed. And I don't need to point out what you do wrong because I'm not so worried so to speak about what I do wrong. I don't mean I don't want to change it, but it's not like I'm always trying to compare me to you, so I'll be better than you. God wants us. He wants to keep us. Well, here's my question for us today. Will I unify or will I disappoint? Well, disappoint who? You? Well, yeah, but it's not about me. Well, I disappoint Jesus. Do you remember that prayer that Jesus, John 17, we've been looking at today? That's the prayer that Jerry talked about. We're the ones who answer that prayer. If we are not united with our brothers and sisters, we're the ones who have to answer that. God is united with Jesus, wants to be united with us. We're the ones who have the issue. Will I be united? Will I disappoint Jesus? But Lord, I do all these things for you. I give to the poor, and I go, on, I, go, I go and take food here and there, and I go on mission trips, and I come up to the church building. I do all these things for you, Father. But if we are not united, we are missing the core thing that Jesus asked for. The core thing that he asked for, that his disciples would be one, just as he is and the Father are, so that the world would know that Jesus is Christ and that the world would know that they're loved. And all these other things I do, just like 1 Corinthians that I do, 13 that I do, are worthless if I don't get this point. 
well-known preacher told the story. And I'll obviously end with this, but a well-known preacher told a story where he was in Dallas in a shopping mall, and he was walking down the main corridor of the shopping mall, and there were, there were a kiosk in the middle. You know how in the old days there were always like calendars and things like that, but there were vitamins right in the middle. And he noticed the vitamin salesman, and he noticed he had these big posters up all around his kiosk. And the, the posters were of people who obviously had been taking the vitamins because, I mean, you know, the, the guy had abs like a washboard, and, you know, they had, they had beach bodies, and their hair was full, and, and they were strong and slim and muscular. And, and, and he said the funny thing about that was that the man selling the vitamins was the opposite of all those things. And he said, so it told you one of two things. Either the man did not take the vitamins, or the vitamins didn't work. So our Bible here tells us we shall be known by our love, that we are to be united as Jesus and the Father are united so that they will see our love. And I preach that, and I go to my neighbors, and I talk to them, and, and we go to work, and we say things, and then they see the way we act, and maybe we're not very united. We talk bad about our brothers or sisters, and they'll say that we say this or that. And they say one of two things. Either you're not really a Christian, or the Bible is a lie, because you're not living it, or it's not working for you. I've got to decide that. See, this is my decision. I'll tell you with all my heart, I believe this is the true word of God. This is what brings people to salvation. It is Jesus working through this. It is his word. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the problem is not that it's a lie. The problem is I don't always live by it. And that's what I'm called to do. Now, some of us, maybe we're ready to begin this journey to be united with God just as he and or in a similar way that he and the son are united and be united with us and be baptized into Jesus you're immersed into Christ incredible things happen it is miraculous because what's happening is he is taking away your sins something no man or woman can do God takes away your sins and in that baptism and when you have faith and you put your faith in God and and, and in its place you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This all is in the Bible. It's Acts chapter 2 and other places. Wouldn't that be great? To start and say, I am ready to be united with Christ. For others of us, maybe it's that we come forward and we get prayers here. Or maybe whether you're in the audience or you're watching online, you write to elders at mcoc.org. And that's another way to find prayers. But this may be one of these days of where I need to go home and contemplate Am I showing unity or am I showing discord in the way I treat brothers and sisters and the way I talk about other people or the way I treat other people? Who am I? Am I a disciple of Christ or a pretend disciple of Christ? This year we want to be one in Jesus. Come as we stand and sing.